Okay, Father, I just thank you for this message. I thank you that you have purposed this message to be here today. And God, I ask that you would clarify it to us and that you would cause it to be clear in our spirits and clear in our minds, that it would shift us, God, that it would set us free, that it would open our eyes to truth, and that it would cause us to walk in freedom in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving through this room while we're talking today and, while, and, and you're breathing on this message. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so first we're going to go to the book of Matthew. I have a lot of scripture, and the Bible's going to do a lot of talking for itself today, but we've got some good stuff coming here, okay? Okay, so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13, very well-known passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to start reading from verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the bird, by the way, I've, I've finished the offering, we're now in the message. We're not talking about, I'm talking about sowing, but we're not talking about taking up an offering right now. Okay, some of you go, like, he's going for round two. <laughs> no, we're not going for round two. We're just <laughs> talking about the message. Okay, so as he, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, which is, now let me just explain what the wayside is, because you have a field that's been plowed, and then you have these pathways in between the, 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 the fields of crops, Okay, and so they are very hard, brittle ground, like sun-baked ground, and then right next to them, that's the, that's the soil that's been ploughed, and that's where all of the wheat and the grains were planted and growing. So you almost have like a, a hard-baked sidewalk around the edge of these crops. Does that make sense? Yep. So when it says um, wayside, that's what it's talking about. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. Isn't that interesting? When you haven't gone down very far, you have to prove that you're awesome by springing up and being big and large. Anyways. (laughs) Um, Okay. But when the sun was, was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. It's called a flash in the pan. Uh, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundred, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. He who has ears, let him hear. Right, today I'm going to be talking about the battlefield in your mind. The battlefield in your mind, somebody. You know that little place where there's like demonic squirrels running around? When we get all twisted, like we start thinking thoughts, and it, before you know what's happened, there is a murder mystery happening inside our brain to really good people right in front of us. Hello? Come on, here's the deal. I'm not preaching to one person. I'm preaching to the entire room today. Because this is an area where, as, you, as we're going to walk through this message, you will see it is the devil's number one strategy to destroy people's lives. It is his number one strategy. So we need, to be, we need to be alert and vigilant. So let's talk about the three types of mindsets that distract us from that parable. Number one, the birds of the air that came and ate the seeds. They are demonic lies that question the truth. You can hear the truth and then immediately that voice comes in and says, but really, they don't really like you. Or can you really trust that person? 
Or, you know, is God really being faithful to you? Have you noticed that those things that he promised you hasn't happened yet? Have you noticed everyone else got healed, but you're not healed? Why is it that they got breakthrough in their finances and you didn't get breakthrough in your finances? Come on. How come they're married and I'm not married yet? Come on. You're these little demonic squirrels that just start having conversations in our heads and we make the mistake of starting to have those conversations with them and we become the third squirrel in the wheel. <laughs> See, we're all laughing because we're all, we're all identifying with this. It's, it's true. Okay, so, so number one in this parable is the birds of the air where the seeds were sown and the birds came and got them. Okay. Number two, stony ground. When the seeds fell on the stony ground, where there was a little bit of soil, they sprung up really fast, but they didn't have depth of foundation. Right? And so what that looks like in our mindset is that we have a little bit of knowledge, but not a whole lot of intimacy. And so when truth comes our way, it takes root just enough for us to acknowledge it, but not enough for us to accept it. Someone getting this? Okay. We recognize it. We're in the conversation. We're, we're hearing God or we're hearing people or we're seeing situations unfold. And what we're doing is, is we're, we're processing it. We're in, the, we're in the moment. We're in the conversation, but it's not actually taking root because that part of our life in our mind has not been cultivated by the word of God enough for it to actually drop down. Or it has been hardened by trauma or pain and not healed by God, so there is a hard, stony ground where there is actually an obstruction of things taking root. Hello. Come on, this is something we all need to get. And then number three, number three, is the thorny, the, 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 where some seed fell among a certain patch of ground, it fell among thorns and weeds, and it actually sprung up because there was good soil, but the problem is in that same soil there was other things there called weeds and thorns. And those thorns actually choked out the ability of that plant to thrive because there was other strongholds present. There was other belief systems, so while we sometimes hear and see certain things that are said to us, we can't accept them because we haven't actually let go of something that's unhealthy. And so while I want to see the truth and I get excited briefly and I feel like there's breakthrough starting to happen, I'm still holding on for dear life to this thing that's destroying me. Okay. So that can look like distractions and worldly cares as well and unhealthy belief systems. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about the battlefield of the mind today. Because the truth is, is that we all want to grow further, we all want to go higher, we all want to be used by God, we all want breakthrough, but there's fears in the background. Can I trust? Can I really trust that person? Can I really trust God? Because I'm afraid. Maybe I'm too busy. Maybe I've got other things, other priorities going on. Maybe I've got other people that are going on in my life. And so we start to actually allow other voices to choke out what God's wanting to do. So I really feel like it's something that's, 
in the atmosphere, but it's a stronghold in this territory. It's a stronghold on the planet. Otherwise, Jesus would have never told the parable. Okay, so let's go back to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Let's go back to how it all began. How it all began. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said to you that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, we all know that the devil entered the serpent and the serpent came and the serpent was having conversation with Eve. Now, that might be strange in modern language, but prior to the fall, I believe that animals were having conversation with people because it doesn't say that Eve was shocked because the serpent talked to her. There's no sign of her being shocked at all. She had a conversation with an animal. It's kind of weird, right? It's very weird. It's like some sort of Pixar movie. Okay, so, so the, the, the thing is here is that, and I'm going to make a point in just a second, that the serpent came into the garden. Eve was on her own, we know that. And the serpent started a conversation with her, but the serpent was not making statements. The serpent was asking questions. And it wasn't a, a high-level hostile question. It was a friendly inquisitive question that actually was a seed because every question in your life is a seed it's a seed to invite you into a mental narrative to start a discourse in your head and you start your own little micro movie right and it goes down this massive trail and so the serpent it says it says the opening statement in in genesis chapter 3 was now the serpent. It doesn't say Eve was standing by herself in the garden. It says the serpent was more cunning than any other creature in the, that God had made. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not going to get into theology with you, but it actually doesn't say that God had made the serpent. I'm not saying that the serpent wasn't an animal. This is completely side note for free. But it says the serpent was more cunning or crafty than any of the other animals that God had made. And then he literally walks up to Eve or slithers or flies or crawls, whatever you want to say. He didn't slither on his belly. That hadn't happened yet. Okay. And said to the, to the woman, Eve, has God indeed or has God really said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And what he did there was he was not interested in conversation. He was interested in pollution. He was not trying to have, he wasn't trying to find a new friend on Facebook. Right? He was trying to corrupt perfection by one question. And so what we have to realize is that the devil is not the creator. Can we agree with that? The devil presents himself on the planet as a creator. He likes to show himself expressing in the creative arts, but he didn't create the creative arts. He stewarded the gift of the creative arts. God is the creator. Are you with me? 
So what we have to realize with the devil is the devil, please hear me, although he can wear different clothes in different seasons of the earth's history, he cannot reinvent himself. Are you with me? He cannot become smarter than he is. He cannot become more sophisticated than he is. He is a set two-dimensional being as far as his level of growth and expansion. Are you with me? Yes. Stick with me here, okay? We're going somewhere. What that means is, is the devil can't change his strategies. So the same strategy he used in the garden with Eve is the same strategy he uses against you and I. A question that comes against your purity and your perfection of what God's doing in your life. He is trying to corrupt either where you are or where you're going in God. He is interested in throwing you off course. And so what he does is he asks a question and that question for Eve became a fixation that she could not let go of. Because what happened was he asked the question and then he left. Here, look, let's just read through the little conversation, okay? Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made, Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has, indeed, has God indeed said to you, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may not eat, or sorry, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of, or the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it, lest you die. You know when God tells you to do something, or when God's got what we know to be laws and commands in the, in the Bible, that's actually for your blessing, protection, and prosperity. It's not for your control or for you to be missing out on stuff. Okay? Then the serpent immediately responded to the woman, you will not surely die. See, now he doesn't need to ask a question anymore. Because now he's engaged in a conversation. And the conversation was built on a question of God's goodness. Which seeded Eve into inquisitiveness. You guys ever heard that little statement, curiosity killed the cat? Well, curiosity killed Eve. Okay. So you sure... um, uh, We're... The serpent said to the woman, you, shall, you will surely not die, for God knows that the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Right? Now, if I was writing a play script, I would write in brackets, exit the snake. And Eve standing there in the middle of a stage, just looking at this weird painted tree, if it was an act, okay? If it was a play. <laughs> So, so what happened was, is Satan didn't need to stick around and watch her eat the fruit. He'd already asked the question. Now, here's the thing. It's okay for Satan to ask the question as long as you don't listen to it. She listened to it, and it became something inside of her womb, where she couldn't take her eyes off that tree. And she couldn't, she couldn't get past the idea that God was hiding something from her. She couldn't get past the idea that God actually was trying to keep her away from the best and that God was trying to keep her low level. Right? And so he sowed the idea 
She had lived in perfection with everything that she'd ever wanted provided for her. There was no pain, there was no turmoil in the garden. I find that amazing, right? Actually, did you know that Adam and Eve didn't even know right from wrong? Think about that for a second. They didn't even know good and evil. Because the Bible says that when you eat it, you'll know good from evil. That's why they went and got fig leaves, because as soon as they ate it, they'd realized that they were naked. Because they'd become aware of the difference between good and evil. Up to that point, they were innocent. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? God had protected them. Can you imagine a world with no evil? That's what God gave them. And from that place, she questioned God. Wow. <laughs> Which is hard to believe, but that's where, that's where she got into, you know. So, so the woman saw that the tree was good for food, because if you notice, before she hadn't looked at it. Right. It wasn't until this point that she saw that there was options there. Right. It wasn't until that she had digested that question that she looked at the tree differently and said, you know what, I, I couldn't see it before, but now I'm starting to see it. Right. You know, that... That whole idea, you know, hey, while you're just making your way out of the garden, thank you so much for just sharing that nugget of wisdom with me. I'm going to go get my paring knife. I'm going to go cut me one of these up, have a snack. Right. She saw it was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise. So she took of the fruit and ate it and she also gave it to her husband and he ate it. That was the very beginning where Satan gave up his strategy. If you can understand what I've just told you, you can protect yourself from the lies of the enemy. Do you understand that when the enemy, when when the serpent came into the Garden of Eden, he did not come in with weapons? He did not bring a paring knife and force feed Eve to eat. Hello? Because he doesn't have that authority. Because, I mean, if she had have eaten it, if it had got in her mouth, he could have tried to force feed her. And the second it touched her mouth, that would have happened. But he didn't have the power. We have to understand here, guys, that Satan has no power except his words. That is the war that he fights. He fights a war of words. And he doesn't fight in a grassy field. He fights in the battlefield of your mind. He comes to you with thoughts to dislodge you, to cause you to mistrust, and to cause you to doubt, and to question every good thing that God would ever give you, do for you, and have planned for your life. And so one of the problems that we have in our generation today is we've been taught the power of reasoning. And reasoning is negotiation with failure. Hello? Reasoning is the cousin or the brother of compromise. Well, you know, maybe God was a little bit wrong. Maybe, maybe that pastor doesn't really know me. And they don't really care for me. Maybe I'm just a number to them. Maybe, maybe just maybe what God promised me, maybe that prophet that gave me that prophecy was really wrong. Now, we do need to question prophecies. We need to make sure that they are, not question, we need to test them to make sure that they're actually the Lord. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us actually 
starting to go against the very things that God's put in our lives to bless us. Okay? <laughs> because as soon as you leave people that care for you or you've you know, been in a difficult season, like, look, Lot, uh, sorry, not Lot, Job, Job had all, he was super, super crazy blessed. He was, a, he was a multi-billionaire of his time. And yet his children all died in one moment. He lost a lot of his livestock and basically lost his business. Everything's there. He's laying, dying with a whole bunch of sores and boils all over his body. Everything's come to rot. And even his own friends are saying, hey, look, look, bro, we've come to give you some counsel. Tap out now. Just curse God and die. God hasn't been kind to you. You see? And he, he said, this, I love this. Like, I think Job is just a hero. Because he lost so much, and yet he looked, he looked them, his friends square in the eye, and he said, even if God slays me, I'll still worship him. That is bad to the bone. Okay? And that's someone that knows that I'm not listening to evil counsel right now, even if it's coming from people I love. Okay, <laughs> Okay. so let's keep moving because I have a lot to cover here. So and I'm going to have a couple of points that I wrote down. An unguarded and undisciplined mind leads to deception, and deception always results in demotion. Demotion is the opposite of promotion. I'm going to read it again. An unguarded and undisciplined mind always leads to deception. You start to question people, you start having offenses with people, you start questioning God, you start having offenses with God, you start questioning his goodness, you start questioning his ability to care for you, to heal you, to protect you, to provide for you, and you end up in deception. Okay? And the second that gets there, its intention is to take you down lower. It's never going to take you higher. Every single time. Okay, number two. The enemy does not announce his intention. He asks a question and postures himself like a loyal advisor. Come on. See, when the, when, when, when the serpent came into the garden, he didn't come into the garden with an attitude of like, hey, you know, God's just really been horrible to me. I got kicked out too. This yeah. really sucks. Yeah. Could use a friend right now. <laughs> he didn't come in from that angle. He's like, I just want what's best for you. Come on. I just need you to know that I really care about you. And I feel like, you know, there's more to this. And we need to think a little bit here. We need to just process this right now. And we need to look a little closer because there's some details here. And you know what? You're missing out. Come on. You know, I'm not trying to throw off at God. I'm sure he's a good guy. But. <laughs> Hello. This is the posture of the enemy. He positions himself like a loyal advisor and demonic voices always, write this down, demonic voices always speak in the third, third person. Sorry, the first person. So it speaks as if it's you caring for yourself. Always. So I actually don't believe... Well, this is just me having conjecture here. Satan came to, the desert, uh, to Jesus in the desert after 40 days, and I wonder if he, said the, he didn't say, if you are the Son of God. I wonder if he said, if I am the Son of God, I'll turn these rocks into the bread. 
so I can eat because I'm hungry. I wonder if he talked like that. Anyways. Because if you knew the devil was talking to you, you wouldn't be so easy to quick and listen to, to be quick and listen to him, would you? Yeah. If it's like, well, I just had a conversation with Satan and he was giving me some advice. Yeah. Well, I'll slap you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but if it's a thought that you believe is your own, yeah. you're far more likely to hold it in high esteem. And so that's why I said an unguarded and undisciplined mind is easily deceived. So we actually have to be paying attention to the thoughts coming through our mind so that we can actually catch up. Hang on a minute. God would never say that about me. God would never let that happen to me. God is kind towards me. You with me? Shake and bake. It's on. Here's the next part that I just want to, I just want to get to really, really clear to everyone. Once you accept the question that the enemy postures to you, has God really said? You actually do the rest of the destruction yourself. Satan doesn't even need to do it. Eve picked up the fruit by herself. Satan didn't put on his little bib and you know and get his little white towel and walk over to the tree. Ma'am, how would you like your tree of life fruit today? Would you like it grilled with some sprinkling of cinnamon? He didn't say that. He stood back and watched Eve destroy herself. Someone getting something today? Okay, so now I'm going to move into a different segment. Taking charge of your mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. See, the enemy is asking you questions that relate to your external world. Hello? That he's asking you questions that relate to people, money, finances, spouses, uh, security, health, your future. He's, uh, he's asking you questions that are in that realm... But our problem is, if he's, what that does is if we're not paying attention, we, are, we respond in that realm. Right. And we need to respond in the spirit. So, so let's, let's read it again real quick. For though, we do, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but are mighty in pulling down, uh, so mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, watch this, Casting down arguments and every high thing that, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Where is knowledge held? Can someone tell me where knowledge is held? Because it's not the cloud. In your mind. In your mind. So the battle is in your mind. Okay, so casting down... Arguments. Arguments come from questions. Well, maybe I should have the fruit, maybe I shouldn't. That's not, it's just not written there in Genesis 3, is it? But it's there. Well, God is good, but maybe he isn't. But, but uh, you had a little argument and the squirrels start running. Okay? <laughs> so casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? Here's the first one. God is love. Come 
So nothing that God is going to do to me and for me is going to go against love. Even though it may be difficult, even though it may be painful, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, ultimately because you love me. So we have to know above everything else, like those that come to God must know that he is and that he is a rewarder, not a punisher. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Come on, somebody. We need to get this today. So every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, watch this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Not some thoughts, not convenient thoughts, not thoughts that maybe, you know, there might be a little bit of an exception here. <coughs> every thought happens to mean every thought. Right. <laughs> Hello, you with me in this alive church tonight? Today, this afternoon, this morning, yesterday, tomorrow, whatever time frame you're sitting in. Some people might be watching from uh, tomorrow. I don't know if they're different parts of the world watching on live stream. So we're prophesying to the future right now. (laughs) Oh, that's messed up. Back to the future, Marty. Okay, so watch this. Bringing every thought into the captivity of the knowledge of Christ. What that means is... Every thought that comes in and question that comes through my head must be measured and benchmarked against the goodness of God. Now, that's thoughts about God towards me. That's thoughts about his promises towards me. That's thoughts about the people in my life. Like Here's one of the main ones that you're going to deal with aside from God is Christian leadership. Because if the devil can separate you from Christian leadership, then he can separate you from actually where God is wanting to posture you. He's separating you from the very people that can help you not to mess up, not to, not to biff it when you're walking through difficult things. The very people that are a little further along down the road and have uh, an anointing and a power from God to be able to give you the equipment to get where you're going. So what would the enemy do? See, let me just prove my point to you. Because if that leadership was really messed up, then he would encourage you to stay. shake and bake somebody so what he does is he constantly questions see the enemy see remember when Jesus was at the last supper and he turns to Judas and says what you do 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 quickly and then it says and the devil entered Judas how was it that, that Judas went from being a disciple to an arch enemy of the kingdom of heaven Because Jesus didn't say one of the ones that messed up tonight. He said, Judas, the son of hell. He literally said he's a son of hell. That's Jesus. Oh, the father loves all the time. Yeah, and the father's honest too. He's honest. So the reason that Judas actually got to a place where the devil had 100% access to enter him was because he'd been listening to a question. You know, I don't, I've been watching these miracles, but Elijah did miracles. Yeah, maybe I could make some money out of this. Maybe I could arrange a meeting. Right? And then Jesus corrects him when when, uh, they say it was Mary Magdalene came and broke the alabaster box and washed his feet with her tears and that oil. And he's like, man. So you know you you messed up and you've been listening to the wrong questions. He's like, man, that money could have been good because it was a year's wages. That, That oil was very expensive. That money could have been, you know, we could have sold that and given that money to the poor. 
And Jesus actually corrected him very delicately, very delicately, way more delicately than he corrected Peter. When Peter was like, you know, never go, Lord. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) And Jesus is like, Peter just took a whipping and kept on ticking. But Judas, he he got a slight little, hey, man, we're not going to go that route. And he got offended. And that was the avenue where the enemy, because we love to get offended when we get corrected. And once you, have a fen- once you have a fence, you have this really kind demonic advisor that comes in with your best interest to like, look after you. Well, I'm, you know, you know, you know, in that movie Lord of the Rings, there was that, some, what's that guy's worm tongue? You guys know who I'm talking about, worm tongue? He gets, he just, he's sitting there whispering to that king and that king turns in from a normal human being to some messed up looking ghoul. Yeah, and then, then uh, Gandalf has to like, Deliver him. <laughs> it's like, dude, this is fucking full-blown deliverance happening in this movie. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> right? And so, so, so when we get offended because of correction, we have two options. Is one, we can actually humble ourselves. Say, so, you know what? Actually, I've been a brat. And there's an area, you know, I can grow from this and I can become a better human. Or our pride rises up and we want to fight back. And that's when we invite questions in that actually empower our own demise. Yeah. So that's why I said this, our generation has become really soft because we don't want to guard our mind, we want to coddle our feelings. We, want to guard our, we don't want to guard our mind because in, in guarding our mind, we have to side with the truth and not our emotions. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to be a lover of truth no matter how that makes you feel. Because feeling, we walk by faith, not by feelings. Right? Remember, we're not waging a carnal war, we're waging a spiritual one. Okay, somebody. Come on, we're raising up mighty men and women of God here that aren't going to get tricked by the enemy. That's why we preach these messages. So, your job is to cast down imaginations. What are imaginations? Thoughts. Another translation says casting down vain imaginations or self-centered thoughts. Casting down imaginations, right? And every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God. What is that? That's, pro- that's thoughts that are full of pride. You know, Eve, you're better than that. You really, you know, you deserve God to treat you and honor you and like really acknowledge you better than that. <laughs> oh, that's fire, dude. And bringing every thought into captivity. You know that word captivity actually means imprisonment? So I'm going to take those thoughts and I am not going to negotiate with terrorists. I'm going to put them in a box and throw away the key and I will not sit there and think about them. So personally for me, this is one of the things I do. When I have a thought, because it might shock you, but I have thoughts too that are not from God. And when I say I have thoughts, what that really means is there's questions coming through my ear, speaking in the first person, inviting me to compromise. Critiquing people that I need to revere and honor because it's trying to destroy my relationship with them because if, I, if that breaks, I lose the blessing. The Lord told me when I was younger in the Lord, in my early 20s, he said, you're going to have to learn. He said, I'm going to teach you that you must fight for and steward your spiritual generational relationships. 
So the book of Malachi, in the last days, the hearts of the fathers would turn to the sons and the sons to the fathers, or I would come and strike the earth with a curse. That's not just natural genetics. That's spiritual fathers and sons. Spiritual mothers and daughters. You with me? Okay. So the, en- so the enemy, you have to understand that God presented himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, by the way, and Joseph. Right? That made its way down to Moses. That made its way down to David. That made its way down to Jesus. That's made its way to you today. God is a generational God, and the enemy is trying. That's why the enemy is fighting so hard at high levels in this nation to destroy the family unit. Come on. The God-ordained family unit. So we just say it like that. Right? Because that's where the blessing is. That's the channel that God's used to populate the earth and to build the kingdom. And so with that, if the, look, God is a God of unity. Acts chapter 2 is a result of unity, true? They were all together and in one accord, which means great unity. And then the Holy Spirit fell. You following me? So everything that God does is a result of unity. Everything that the devil does is, a, is with the purpose of division and accusation. Because if the devil can divide, he can weaken. You heard that statement, divide and conquer? That's how you do it. You don't fight a whole army. Why would you fight a whole army if you could fight quarter of the army? Okay. Thank you, God. Someone getting something today? I'm really enjoying myself. This is great. Now, I've also got another, I've, I've got that same scripture, I'm going to read it really fast, from the American Standard Version. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but are mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, which is almost the same translation. But what we need to do is we need to get these thoughts... And if they are rebellious against Jesus, the culture of heaven, or what God is speaking over our lives, or the relationships that God has given us, we need to hostilely destroy them. And one of the the things that I've personally come to do, because here's the thing, have you ever had, (laughs) I'm not going to give you all my examples, but have you ever had that friend that's that's whispering that messed up, that messed up conversation to you? They want to do it quietly, right? They don't, want to, they don't want to do it publicly. They want to do it like in a secret. Hey, come over here. I've got something I need to tell you. I'm going to gossip to you and poison you. Yeah. <laughs> Hello? Right. See, so what, that's what the devil does. The devil is a coward. And so he's trying to speak in secret because he knows that if it's just you and him, he can start to poison you and no one's going to know about it right, right now. What you do is you take it from being unspoken thoughts into very public, loud, audible. No, devil, you're a liar. Because that's why Jesus said, in the the example I gave you, when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and the devil shows up, I wonder if it was a thought whisper. And it says, and Jesus responded. No, for it is written that man will not live or shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
You see, and so what Jesus did is he actually had a response. That's why the Bible says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. That's not just evangelism, that's protecting your mind. Because you got hope on the inside of you. That might be a, a spiritual relationship hope. It might be divine relationship. It might be promises that God's given you. It might be situations you're believing for. It might be, you know, just simple truth about God's goodness. <coughs> and when the devil starts questioning that, and it is the devil, yeah. you have to come to the conclusion that you don't have the right to conjecture and question God. You have to come to that right, to that point where you have discipline on yourself that the second that thought comes up, even if it's you being crazy for a minute, because we all get crazy for a minute, you just grab yourself and say, no, that is not going to live in my mind. Because it's easy to pick a, pick a little weed out of the ground, but the second that weed becomes an oak tree, now you've got a problem removing that tree. Okay. So we have to really be disciplined and hostile. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, well-known passage again. Ephesians 6, I'm going to read from verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we all know about the, you know, oh, the breastplate of God's righteousness and the sword of the Word and the shield of faith and the belt of truth, but not many people pay attention to the helmet of salvation. Why would God give you spiritual armor? Because God never told us to go and kill people. This is New Testament. Hello? We're not clearing out Canaan anymore. That got done. Hello? So why would he give us, because I can understand having a spiritual sword to take on the lies of the enemy. Right? Because that's, that's the sword of the word of God that's going to make way for the promises of God. The shield of faith that can quench the fiery arts, and fiery darts, fiery arts, it is fiery arts, isn't it? And also push, because Roman soldiers, you've got to be careful how fast you say that, that could, that could become something else. Okay. I know you've been watching YouTube. Okay, so... so, so but Roman soldiers actually also use those shields to push doors down. Right. And, to, and they used them just as powerfully as they would use their swords. They would batter people. And they would, they would push doors open with them. So all of that stuff, I get that. But why a helmet? This is the spirit realm. Because God's clearly talking about, hey, this is not, you know, you know, we're waging not against flesh and blood, but against all these demonic powers in the demonic kingdom. So then put all these things on. Why would he give me a helmet of salvation? Because we know that, and I don't have time to get into it right now, but salvation isn't just the fact that the blood of Jesus has saved you from, from sin and hell. It's all these other things like prosperity and healing. Right. Salvation actually has seven meanings, and I don't have time. I apologize. You can look it up. There's seven meanings to salvation. But he's put salvation over our heads because he understood that the enemy would start whispering. Now, here's an awesome part. In the Roman army, they didn't just have a little helmet like they do in the, you know, the, the SWAT team or the military now. They had these big ear guards. Come on, somebody. There'd be the part that would, that would cover their head, but there would be these huge ear, ear guards that would flap down. You could pull them up. They had hinges. You could pull them up to listen at the right time, but they'd pull down. It was to do with you know, weapons attacking them, but it would also block certain noises coming in. Okay, and so it's really important that we understand that because we're in such a modern culture, we don't, you know, no one's like, yeah, I went down to Home Depot the other day and I picked up my armor. <laughs> like that's not in our culture, yeah. right? Our culture is, you know, Call of Duty. 
for some people, okay? But, but for the most part, we don't really think. We, we see the pictures, we'll see the history, but we don't really understand it. Back then, it had a lot more significance. And God has given us the helmet of salvation. The salvation literally means you can be at rest. God's got you covered. In every sphere of your life, God is going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to heal you. He's, he's going to cause you to be raised up into everything he's made you to be. Because every person in this room knows that they have purpose and that they have the call of God on their lives to do something great. Everyone feels that. It's because you have his DNA running through your blood. How could you not be a son or a daughter of the king of the universe and not feel greatness in your blood? <laughs> not feel like there's something calling you to do something that's going to change the world. Your, his DNA is in your body. And, the, and for some of us, the reason that we're not tasting it is because we're believing questions that are holding us back. And we know it's true, but we refuse to believe it. We know certain people love us, but we just refuse to trust them. Or can I say this? We refuse to trust our pastors because we won't even trust God that he's given us our pastors. I just need to hang out long enough to see if they're going to hurt me. Come on. I'm not saying this to be self-serving. I'm trying to help someone get free today. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so now let's, let's go real quickly here. I want to talk a little bit about the voice of the accuser for a minute. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. And I heard, I'm going to read from the American Standard Version again. I heard a great voice in heaven saying, Now has come salvation and, and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Watch this. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down who accused them before our God day and night. Do you realize that Satan is playing both sides of the field? In Job chapter 1, it actually says that the sons of God came before, the, before God's, the throne of God, and with them came the devil. That's what it says in Job chapter 1. You see, we just think that Satan is here on the earth, and I, I don't understand. We have not been given all of the dynamics to understand that multiverse, if I could use that word loosely. right? Because there's stuff that we, just don't, we don't understand the dynamics of it yet. But Satan is here accusing God to us. And then he scurries over like the dark squirrel that he is, and he starts accusing God about us. Sorry, starts accusing us to God. Does that make sense? And so he's playing both sides of, of this. So let's look at this for a second, because God showed me something fresh today. This is fresh off the press. Okay? <laughs> I like this. And I heard a great voice in heaven saying, Now has come salvation, the power the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down who accused them before our God day and night. In the spirit realm, there is always voices speaking. Now, I'm going to deal with something right now, especially for you prophetic people. Okay? In the spirit realm, you have to understand it is not silent. It is another world overlapping our world. They do not visit us. They are... The word's not living, but they are dwelling in the same plane on a different spirit world, natural realm, spirit realm. For instance, there's angels in here right now. 
attending, watching, recording. God's presence is here right now. Okay? But in the same context, as we go about our life, there's also the demonic running around, trying to make havoc and trying to hurt people and get people enchained and get believers to give up what God's given them. So as a spiritual person, you will discern voices. I heard voices. No, you're not crazy. God's always speak. Do you think that God's like, oh, be quiet. They might be listening. Do you really think God has that level of paranoia? But in the same way that the demonic realm, and this is not for anyone, no one needs to be afraid of this. We have been given authority over them. The problem is, is that churches out there are afraid of the devil because they don't know who they've been called to be. I'm not afraid to talk about the devil. I'm not giving him any credit right now. He's defeated. But we also, the Bible says that we are not to be ignorant of the enemy's strategy. Or another translation says the wiles, which means strategy of the enemy who walks about like a roaring lion. So that means if you're not to be ignorant, you've got to talk about him. Hello? You can't pretend like, well, you know know the elephant in the room? Not really allowed to talk about it. Don't say his name. No, no, I'm not afraid to say his name. He's afraid for me to say it. We are here to judge him. And we are here to tear his kingdom up and take his captives because they actually belong to our side. Jesus already paid for them. I'm not being arrogant, I'm just being a son. God is no wimp. (laughs) Okay. So, there's always voices speaking, and sometimes they're speaking in first person. And we have to be so careful in our prophetic culture that we don't just accept everything we hear. The Bible says, test all spirits. Right, And sometimes it's like, well, I discerned that, or I heard that, or I picked that up. I mean, I've heard that so many times in my life, it's crazy. And you like start benchmarking it, and it's like, nope, that's not right. Because we actually have to tap into here. So it's, the Bible says in Revelation, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Right, But you have to make sure that you're actually listening to the right Spirit, because in that same passage, it's talking about uh, people that were tolerating false prophetic, which is another voice. Okay, so you're with me? Okay, so in the spirit realm, there's always voices speaking. God is speaking life, but also the demonic kingdom speaking evil and accusation. Do you know that God is not the accuser? He's the judge. Hello? In the courtroom, he's not the accuser, he's the judge. And if you have the blood of Jesus over you, if you're saved then no accusation is going to be able to touch you because Jesus turns to the Father and says, see, I paid for this one. There's nothing that the enemy can say. As long as they've brought it under the blood, we're good. Right? So all of the accusation is just a whole bunch of chatter saying, has God really said? Because if you engage in that, that has the power, that seed to take you completely out of the kingdom. Hello? It does. So we, let's keep going because I, I need to move. I've got a lot of content to still go. Someone getting something today? Yeah. We need to hear this because this is an area where people live tormented day and night with crazy thoughts going through their heads. And then it makes them feel like, you know, honestly, there's probably more. I've heard people in, in the uh, mental health industry and they've talked about how there's more Christians in mental health than regular folks. <laughs> 
You know why? Because they didn't learn to discern the voices. Just because you can sense things doesn't mean you're discerning correctly. You're more likely tuned into the wrong radio frequency. Hello? (laughs) Remember that the enemy comes posturing as a friend, a friendly advisor. He doesn't come like an accuser, but he comes like a very carefully thought-out friendly advisor that's looking to sow a seed, and you're going to accept it like he's doing you a favor. Number two, when we resist the enemy and expose those voices that they're wrong in our minds, these four things become available. Remember, the, I'm going to read it again real quick. And I heard a great voice in heaven saying, Now has come salvation, the power, the kingdom of God, and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, who, caused them, who accused them before God day and night. Now, here's the awesome part that God told me. He said, If people go to war with the accuser constantly speaking lies and questions in their head, they can actually cast them down today. Come on. Because when questions are being accepted, you're being weakened. And when you're being weakened, you don't have, um, you don't have salvation working fully to the full extent over your mind. You're not walking in the power of God. You're not really entering into the, uh, to the fullness of the kingdom of God. And you don't have authority. So when we start to take authority over our mind and we start pushing out these crazy questions that the enemy's putting in on us like some friendly advisor and we cast out the accuser, we start walking in the fullness of salvation, the fullness of power, the fullness of authority, the fullness of the kingdom. You see, so we actually have to go to war over the battlefield of our mind to shut down the enemy's voice because he's trying to steer our ship with one question. He didn't even bring an army. And the, the, the arrogance of the enemy to turn up in your life and try and change the course of your life by simply asking you a question. Talk about a cheap party trick. That's messed up. And so we need to see it for what it is and get aggressive and hostile and be militant about that. Right? I don't want the enemy having influence in my outcome. Okay, my last segment here. You ready? I've got a few, few scriptures to run through with you. Changing our thought life. Changing our thought life. I'm going to run through five, five scriptures real quick and then we're going to land. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm reading from verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him that way no longer. Now what that means is, I need to stop looking at Molly like Molly, just a regular human being that has flaws. And I need to start seeing her as a spiritual daughter of God, a spirit being. So I'm not looking at her brokenness. I'm looking at her greatness. Molly's my sister-in-law. That's pretty awesome. Does Does that make sense? So, so what happens is, is the enemy, if you remember at the very beginning of my message, I talked about that, you know, we're not, we're not waging something in the flesh. We're not to think carnally and fleshly, right? So we need to stop looking at stuff. See, if Eve had have listened, what, what, what Serpent did in, in Genesis 3 was he got, he got Eve to stop thinking spiritually and he got her to thinking naturally for the first time in her life. He got her to think, you're missing out, flesh, which is really fear of lack and lust. Lust of something I don't have. I want something that I don't have that I shouldn't have because I've been told not to have it. And fear that God's not going to be good enough for me. He got her to shift out of a spiritual mindset into a mindset that completely was contradictory to everything that God is. 
So we're not to know each other according to the flesh. Because when we do that, the enemy can come in and say, you know what, I, I really didn't like the way they said that. Yeah. I didn't like the way that they said that to me. I didn't like the way that they decided to do that and didn't talk to me about it. I didn't like the way that, you know, I didn't get invited to hang out. Now we need to believe the best. <laughs> we need to see people's greatness and their future and their callings. Okay? And in the same way, when people come to us and we get corrected in a healthy, in a healthy way, we need to not see that through, well, let's find their faults so I don't have to listen to them. Because I'm about to manifest my demons. <laughs> we laugh, but the reality is that hideous dark feeling that you're feeling when someone's trying to help you, that's not you. That's a parasite. <laughs> Okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to, the, to this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the word, that you may be able to prove that which is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So what that means is when your mind is corrupted, when you've got lots of questions and you've got lots of doubts, and when you've got like a, 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 a critical thing that's taken over and you're starting to actually become deceived or you are deceived, you can't discern God's will. And you're actually susceptible to being influenced by darkness and getting taken off the path of where God's called you to be. So you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the word. That's why we need to constantly be reading our Bibles. Not just, one, not just one verse a week, guys. We need to be reading our Bibles because that book challenges me. <laughs> See, my old nature will just slowly go back into something real nasty if I don't keep it in control. Does that make sense? Can anyone, like, really? Yes, just like you. So I have to... Just like going to the gym, like there's days where you wake up and you don't want to go and work out, but you do it. You subject yourself to it. And in the same way, look, it gets to a point where sometimes it feels like reading the book is monotonous, but you do it because my spirit is going to subject this flesh to come under the authority of God. Because if I don't, my mind's going to start getting creative and it's going to start figuring out loopholes. You know what? I, you know, I think we've got an exception on our hands here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's why, that's why it says that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked or desperately wicked. <laughs> right? Okay, cool. So let's go. Verse 3 now. I'm actually doing amazingly good for time. I think we prophesied into the future and we've got some kind of little harvest for that. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Philippians 4, verse 5. Let your gentleness... Be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. Watch this. Be anxious for nothing. So what that means is, you don't need to question if you're going to miss out. You don't need to question if, if things fall over, if you're going to be the one holding the basket. You don't need to question if, you know... You can trust people. If God has brought you to a group of people or pastoral team or someone that's leading you in God, you have to trust that God's put you there. Be anxious for nothing. God's got you. Okay? (laughs) So 
So watch this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving just has an amazing way of calibrating our hearts so that we don't get all nasty and bitter. Do you notice that? You can't be bitter towards someone that you're thankful for. You can't be mistrusting of someone that you're praying over. Hello. Let your requests be made known to God. Watch this. And the peace of God, someone say peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Come on. When you decide I'm not going to be worrying and anxious, but I'm going to trust God and I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to really submit myself to God's presence, this peace that's going to surpass anything that I could explain to you is going to guard my heart and my mind. Come on, you can't buy that. Okay. Um, then I'm going to carry on here. Same, same chapter. I'm going to move down to verse 8, which is actually the next, next verse. <laughs> Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever... Noble. Uh, wh- <laughs> whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely... Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things or think on these things. See, this is the menu that you do need to be ingesting. I don't like the way that person did this. I, don't, I can't trust God. God's not being good to me. You know what I love about David? I've talked about this so much. I'm going to talk about this for the rest of my life. I love that when David shows up, little boy, 14, 13-year-old David, shows up to the battlefield, Goliath has been cussing and mocking and intimidating the army of Israel. He is a kid. There is a whole bunch of seasoned warriors on the battlefield. And his response is, who is this guy flipping off the armies of God? He said, I've, he said with God, I've killed a lion. And with God, I, with my God, I've killed a bear. Yeah. Now I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah. I mean, that's the kid you want on your team. Right, Because he wasn't focusing on all the negative things of how big this giant was. That's the whole reason that that army had become paralyzed. They were focusing on everything negative happening instead of the fact, dude, God, this is, God is the God of Israel. God's not the, like at that point, God wasn't the God of Jericho. He was the God of Israel. Right? And so there was this amazing blessing, and you can rest in that. Just because you've been given the land doesn't mean that giants and challenges and the enemy's not going to show up to challenge you. That's not the time to quit. That's the time to keep thinking whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things are noble. Come on, if there's anything praiseworthy, we're going to think on these things. We're going to remember the good things that God has done in the past because that's the God that we worship. And he did it in the past. And just because I don't see the finish line yet, he's going to do it today too. I'm not going to listen to, hey, you know what? I've got some really good advice for you here. Maybe God's going to let you die now and it's the end of the story. No, that's crazy thinking. Shut up, Satan. Get out of here. Because my Bible says when you, you resist the devil and he must flee. Not he might. Not he maybe. He must flee. So the second I decide that's a devil, I'm not into this. Shut up, devil. See, that's, it's okay. Look, I don't care what you tell the devil. Just don't agree with him. Come on. So that what I'm saying is you can be as harsh as you like to him. He has no mercy. He has no forgiveness. He has no future. 
Do you know that when Satan, the la- at the end, I want you to imagine this for a second. We're all in heaven together. God's on the throne. The- heaven is more amazing than anything that you could have possibly imagined in the universe to be. And we've got front row seats eating our heavenly gold crisp popcorn and watching Satan get bound up in chains and thrown into the lake of fire. We're like, bye, Felicia. Bye. We're done. I mean, I personally want front row seats on that. I am happy about the fact that Satan is going to be gone. You see, he is just trying to grasp at straws now. And straws are getting made illegal in California. Stop listening to him and start looking at what God's done for you, even if you have to go back to the smallest thing and say, you know what? God is awesome, and I'm not going to listen to that lie because God has a future over my life. He has a plan, and I might be in real painful, uncomfortable season. God might be dealing with me. He might be fashioning me. He might even be correcting me. He might even be using my friends or my pastors to speak into my life, and it's uncomfortable, but that is not my time to quit. That is my time to hold on. I'm not going to compromise. Come on, on, somebody. I've only gone six minutes over. We're going to make it. (laughs) Two more scriptures real quickly. Two more scriptures real quick and I'm going to land, okay? This is a miracle. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Woo! Feeling the joy of the Lord. I'm going to go out and buy some straws. It's great. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Yes. Right? Or above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the issues of life. If the greatest thing that you can be told to do is to guard your heart. Right? Don't let anyone speak into your life. Don't let just anyone have an opinion. That opinion, look, here's the thing. I actually don't want opinions. Because opinions come from people with nothing to lose. Opinions come from people with nothing to lose. I want advice from, from conquerors and champions. I want advice from God. I want God to tell me how it's going to end. It might look really intimidating right now, but I'm going to come out the other side all right. This is all going ma- to make sense in a minute. I don't need your advice, devil. I don't need your fears. I don't need your kind, loving first person. (laughs) Yep. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, and my final scripture. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure... Of his heart brings forth evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, have you ever seen a, a, a heart talking or thinking? No, so the heart actually represents the mind. So, what this is saying is out of the abundance of your thought life comes your vocabulary life. So if, if, you know, if I want to figure out who someone is, I just let them talk enough. 
because eventually all the stuff just starts coming out and you're like, okay, I can see the prescription here. I can see what's going on. Because all of the stuff starts coming out because they've been letting seeds get in and lodge there that have actually been forming a belief system. And so some of us today actually need to go gardening and saying, God, you know, I need some, I need some searching out here because I think there's some plants growing that shouldn't have ever started growing. I've got some thoughts that have actually got way away on me and they're the runaway train down the hill and I think about it all the time every day. And I need to get control of this, God. So I'm asking you, God, by your Holy Spirit to come and breathe on me and start to rinse and wash stuff out of my life so that I can start to get free because I want to have peace guarding my heart and mind. I want to be living in, under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to be walking in, in just in security and not being anxious. Come on, somebody. So it's really, you know, and the problem is, is that we build, especially in this society, we build analytical and critical mindsets. Like, I mean, honestly, the Yelp culture has made a terrible impact. It's great if you want to find a restaurant, but it's trained us to actually think that we're review critics on everyone and everything. And so what it, but the problem is, is that we actually have these mindsets in here that have been put there through questions that have actually caused us to not trust. Yeah. Yes. Hello? Yeah. And to, if you're going to lead, lead with criticism or lead with mistrust instead of I'm going to walk in faith and not by sight. I'm going to walk in faith and not by sight. I'm going to actually go the way of truth and not the way of emotions. And if it hurts, well, I'm going to walk through it because I'm a big boy now. But we have to get to a place where we actually just discipline ourselves. And it's like, yeah, and you know what? If, if someone is brave enough to talk to you, now here's the thing. Not everyone has the right to correct you. Hello. I'm not going to take uh, credit critique from a hypocrite. I'm not going to take critique from someone that's walking in brokenness in that same area. That person has no right to talk to me. If they're walking in great wisdom and maturity and they've got something, to, to their life's proving it, yeah, please help me. Right? So, so we have to be careful. I don't want to just have everyone throwing themselves to the wolves and turning up at the next transformation week in a complete train wreck yeah. saying, I've just been, well, I've been wounded and I hurt myself. Yeah. Right? But, but, the, but the thing is, is that we actually need to make decisions because there might be, a, a, you know, there might be opportunities for us to have correction, and if someone's willing to take the risk to correct us, they are the one taking the risk, not you. Because, because if, they're, if they're willing to step out and take a risk to correct you, they're actually they're putting the relationship on the line that you could reject them in order to hopefully help you make it. And there's no better time, like I said before, there's no better time that the enemy has a loud voice than after you've been corrected. <laughs> Let me come in and lick your wounds. <laughs> like, no, thank you. I don't want to get every disease under the sun. <laughs> Hello. So we, we can actually start moving our hearts towards, I'm going to trust you, God. And I'm going to trust that you've got me. And even if I make mistakes, or even if people make mistakes, I'm not going to become this ironclad wall that lets no one near me. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to walk in peace, and I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to walk calmly, and you're going to be my king, and I'm going to walk into destiny, and I'm going to see great breakthrough of my life, and I'm going to see the promises over my life. And 
all those areas that you've promised me that haven't happened yet, they're coming. And I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep on hoping and keep trusting you. And you are going to be great for me. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Father, we thank you that you are going after our hearts and our minds, God. And that you love us so much that you don't want us to tolerate being counseled by the enemy when you are our great comfort and counselor, Holy Ghost. So I ask that you would just go to work in our hearts and work in our minds and that you would start to uproot and dislodge the strongholds of mindsets, the strongholds of mistrusts and questions that we have harbored and nurtured where the enemy has tried to counsel us, that we would learn the difference between your voice and his voice and that we would learn to cast down those voices and not take those voices on and that we would actually become hostile when we know that the enemy is trying to seduce us into brokenness. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. We bless you. We thank you that this is going to be an awesome week. It's going to be the best week of 2019 because we're walking out of deception and we're walking into clarity. We're walking out of believing lies and being tormented in our minds and we're going to start having sweet sleep tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.